0: Matthew chapter 7, this morning we consider verses 1 through 6. Judge not that ye be not judged, for with what judgment ye judge, ye shall be judged. And with what measure ye meet, it shall be measured to you. Again, and why beholdest thou the mote that is in thy brother's eye, but considereth not the beam that is in thine own eye? Or how wilt thou say to thy brother, Let me pull out the mote that is in thine eye, and behold, a beam is in thine own eye, Thou hypocrite, first cast out the beam out of thine own eye, and then thou shalt see clearly to cast out the mote that is in thy brother's eye. Give not that which is holy unto the dogs, neither cast ye your pearls before swine, lest they trample them under their feet and turn again and rend you or attack you or wound you, rip you up. Father, this morning we confront the words of our Lord Jesus when speaking upon thy kingdom and thy people who are citizens in that kingdom. We pray today that you would help us to hear the text exactly in the way in which the Lord Jesus gave it and that our response would be more than to it but to him and that we would find ourselves uniquely brought along in our own sense of response and worship and practice after the fashion of our Lord. Thank you for each one that is here this morning. May we all be hearing. Bless now thy word in its declaration. And for that we will praise you in Jesus' name and for his blessed sake. Amen. This particular text this morning from the Messiah's Manifesto is highly illustrative. King Jesus referred to certain people as dogs and wild hogs. He references eye irritations that are caused by blowing chaff or grass and building lumber. One would be a distinct possibility, grass in your eye when you're cutting the lawn. The other one really is not a realistic possibility at all, building lumber in your eye. Therefore, we understand that the Lord used a certain sense of hyperbole here in order to grab our attention and to direct us to the issues at hand. Our text is highly illustrative. Our text this morning from the Messiah's Manifesto is likewise highly abused. It makes the top five list of most misused scriptures in all the Bible. Verse 1 Judge not that ye be not judged is often quoted to assert the false doctrine that the children of God are forbidden to judge anyone in any matters, including truth and error, right and wrong, and good and evil. Leo Toystoy, the Russian author, actually said that this section of Messiah's manifesto eliminated uh, the pursuit of justice and a criminal court of law of all the goofy things first Thessalonians 5:21 plainly says prove all things hold fast to that which is good our text this morning is likewise highly abused. Thirdly, our text this morning from the Messiah's Manifesto is part of a larger uh, section of the Manifesto that runs verses 1 through 12, and it culminates in the familiar golden rule of the believer, as restated, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Uh, that becomes the pinnacle, the ultimate statement that uh, uh, in which this entire section kind of serves under its umbrella. Our text this morning flies under the emphasis of what we call the golden rule and then fourthly, our text this morning from messiah 's manifesto has a developing theme, namely that of righteous relations with other people as We've seen throughout the sermon, the Lord holds uh, a a contrast between self-righteousness, particularly that which is represented in religion, with the perfect righteousness of God. Right relations at home, right relations at church, right relations in society are addressed in application of this masterful presentation of the Lord Christ. We begin this morning, one, with the present active imperative, don't judge. I stress the verb tense because it means here is something you don't do, and that is don't judge. Don't judge, don't judge, don't judge, don't judge. Don't judge. Live not judging. Now, is that all there is to it? No. If you isolate this command from the rest of the text, And from the rest of the scripture, you end up commending a lifestyle that the Lord Jesus condemns. And he condemns it right here in the text. Particularly when we get to verse 6. This command must not be understood as a blanket prohibition against ever evaluating or criticizing people. Humble, loving, and constructive criticism is not only commendable, it is indeed commanded us in Christ as parents, as pastors, and as disciples and followers of Jesus Christ. The judgments of the Lord are right, and it is never wrong to use them as the basis for correcting children in a home. It is never wrong to use them, to use the revealed Word of God as the basis for correcting Uh, couples who are married. It is never wrong to use uh, the judgments of the Lord in correcting the flock of God in a local church setting. Uh, Paul declared that the spiritually minded person judges all things. And Paul specifically prayed that the church at Philippi would abound more and more in loving judgment. This morning, we want to see exactly together what the Lord taught on this occasion of record. And we begin with the fact that Jesus condemned, in Matthew 7, 1-6, the unjust judgment of others. A jury's decision, having never heard the case, could not be considered by any person that is marked by logic and good rationale as a good decision. You can't decide the case if you haven't heard the case. Unjust judgment is what the Lord condemns in this passage. Jesus told in another place a parable about a Pharisee who showed up at the temple to pray along with a publican, a sinner. And he looked over at the dirty, grubby sinner, and he says to God, Oh, God, I'm so glad I'm not like that guy. And, of course, the sinner beat his chest and said, Oh, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And the Bible says one of those two men went to their house justified, and the other one went to the house full of himself. You do do the math. You figure it out pretty easy to to find out the answer to that. One of those men was marked by unjust judgment of others. Unjust judgment of others ignores the fact that God is the ultimate and righteous judge of all people. The phrase in verse 1, that ye be not judged, means you have an appointment with God. You need to judge righteously, you need to judge fairly, you need to judge rightly because God is the ultimate judge and you will give an answer to Him for how you evaluate other people. That phrase in no way teaches that you and I can escape God's judgment altogether, rather it teaches that we will be judged of God for unjustly judging others. The problem addressed here is unjust judgment. Unjust, unfair, prejudicial judgment of others is driven by uh, uh, the sin of self-righteousness. It's why you so often see it manifest in the New Testament pages in those called Pharisees and scribes. People develop their own ideas of what is good of what is better and what is best, apart from the revelation of God. When we have a condemning attitude towards others based upon man-made standards or preferences, we commit sin. In the day in which the Lord taught this truth, the traditions promoted by the scribes and the Pharisees were honored above and in fact replaced, in many occasions, the plain truth of Scripture. Religionists often set their own expectations and standards before others based upon their own desires and prejudices. Then they use their pet regulations to condemn others who are not exactly like them. Both individuals and groups assert their own desires and sense of morality upon others that are oftentimes beyond the Scripture, and at other times, beneath the Scripture. Generally, people in the world that don't uh, go to church, that don't think much about God, they uh, generally violate uh, morality uh, by shooting far below the standard of God's holy word. Uh, Church going people, religious people, they tend to violate God's word by jumping above it. They create rules and regulations that are higher than uh, or different than uh, 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 the aspect of what is plainly delineated in the plain teaching of the Word of God. King Jesus herein warns us against unjust judgment. You and I can't judge other people's hearts as God does. We cannot expect everyone to be just like us. And it is important for us to remember that God does not desire uh, cookie-cutter Christians. God does not desire for us all to to act the same in regards to uh, our demeanor and our engagements of life. Uh, We are made to be different people. The Lord wants us to be different people, but he wants us all to be fashioned after the image of his son, Jesus Christ. We had individual identity as sinners apart from salvation, and we have individual identity as saints. In other words, God wants the unsaved sinner to be themselves when being a saved saint. God does not expect you to become a different person than he made you to be. He wants you to be the person that you are to be in Christ. I uh, oftentimes, just for the sake of my own clarity, look at the English text, look at the Greek language, and do my own little translation for the sake of my own understanding and quick embrace. Here's what I wrote concerning the reality of these verses. Do not judge others unjustly, for if you do, you will certainly be judged of God for that. Verse 2, God will take into his consideration in judging you the standard you used in judging others. Do not judge unjustly. The phrase do not judge does not mean in any sense or shape at all do not judge at all. It means do not judge unjustly. And there have been a multitude of errors that have been propagated in the Lord's church because somebody, usually because they're sinful and seeking to cover it up, would say to others, the Bible says, don't judge me. Don't you judge me. Don't you judge me. Well, listen. You and I are commended in the word of God with an open Bible as it relates to God's revelation of righteousness and ethical reality, you and I are indeed to judge one another by the word of God. What we're not supposed to do is make up our own rules and regulations and make up our own standards for accepting others and then run with that. Jesus said, do not judge on Justly. Secondly, Jesus condemned hypocritical judgment. And you already know what that is. Faults are always easier to see in others than in yourself. Even if you carefully keep your evaluations of others according to the scriptures, you will still be tempted. To overlook the things that are sinfully true of you, even as you press upon the things and the matters of sin and inconsistency in regard to others. It is not surprising that Jesus goes on to say, do not do that. Again, look at verse 3. And why beholdest thou the moat that evokes in my mind a concept that is far, far, far from the original understanding meaning. It may have been a, a, a good translation in the king's English back in the day. It doesn't speak to this uh, a person's heart today. I'll explain it in a moment. And why beholdest thou the mote uh, that is in thy brother's eye, but considereth not the beam that is in thine own eye? Or how wilt thou say to thy brother? Let me pull out the mote that is in your eye, and behold, a beam is in thine own eye. Thou hypocrite, first cast out the beam out of thine own eye. And then, it goes on to say, rather than use the scriptures to discern and to pursue the truth in yourself and others, Many play the hypocrite. Many play the hypocrite by uh, using the mirror of God's word to be held up before the face of others without ever looking into the perfect law of liberty, as James says it, themselves, or they look in the perfect law of liberty and then walk away and soon forget what they saw in the perfect law law of liberty. And in both cases, the person is setting themselves up to play uh, the hypocrite. We are to use the scriptures to be discerning and discriminating, first and foremost in our own lives, and then, and only then, seek to help others. The word moat refers here to chaff, or grass-like clippings that often get blown around in the wind and easily into one's eyes. It doesn't take much of a little tiny speck of chaff or grass or even an eyelash to just (laughs) irritate the snot out of your eye. I mean, it just is amazing how a little tiny thing becomes so problematic in your eye. And of course, the beam, as it's referenced here, uh, speaks of a piece of construction lumber. King Jesus did not underestimate the real problem of your family member or the real problem of your friend having chaff, a blade of grass in his or her eye. But Jesus emphasized the necessity of dealing with board-blocking your own vision first, lest you play the hypocrite. Again, we find in this this presentation a sense of purposeful hyperbole, an eyelash, a a little piece of grass in contrast to uh, the aspect of a beam or a board that is blocking your own sight. We first said don't judge unjustly and now Jesus is saying don't be hypocritical in judgment by overlooking your own sin and your own inconsistencies. But just as a good doctor or dentist washes their hands before sticking those hands in your mouth, we must deal with our own faults first and then seek to help Others. The key word in verse 5, of course, is the word then. Then, after dealing with your own sin and inconsistency before God, then and only then shalt thou see clearly to help get the chaff out of your brother's eye. Paul in the New Testament epistles, builds upon this instruction of the Lord when writing to the Galatians, saying, Brethren, if a man be overtaken with a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness. And part of spirituality required for helping a fallen brother in a fault, part of spirituality is one's own cleanliness, one's own walk with God, one's own stability, one's own clear-sightedness, so as to be able to help that individual in the spirit of meekness. As the text says, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. This introduces, of course, the main truth here. And the main truth here is found in verse 6. And it's interesting because very few people get to verse 6, at least in context of verse 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. And yet the little section here is all packaged together. And that brings us to number 3. Jesus commended the wise and loving judgment of others. Godly pastors and true followers of Jesus Christ will, over the course of years, be accused of judging people as if inappropriate, and they will be accused of that repeatedly. Most of the time, the accusation is ridiculous. Godly pastors and followers of Christ do not go around condemning people unjustly. They do not set up man-made hoops, for people to jump through, but are genuinely interested that the principles and the practices of God's word be honored. One of the great consternations of my soul since coming here is the fact is that the preached emphasis in this church about the demonstration of one's faithfulness as a criteria for leadership has been by and large rejected and i did not make that up open your own bible and read it and see for yourself that god requires of his servants faithfulness faithfulness that other people can see and yet all across this area there's a bigger bubble of christian dumb We shouldn't have said it just that way. But nonetheless, a bigger bubble of Christendom in which people are devoted to it. I'm talking about being devoted to him. I'm talking about being faithful to Christ like a husband is a be faithful to his wife. Or a wife to her husband. I get tired of seeing professing Christians live with wedding ring off and then come to church with wedding ring on. God, help us if we resist the truth, the plain truth, of the judgments of the Lord as clearly restored and restated again and again in His Word. God's people ought to be humble and loving and perpetually judgmental in the sense of the Word of God. Even our communion instructions. Tell us that if we would judge ourselves, we would prevent God's disciplinary hand to the degree to which we often see it in the context of God's people. I absolutely love the balance and the straightforward statement of John 7, 24. It's printed in your bulletin outline. The Lord said in another place, judge not according to appearance but judge righteous judgment. There is a great need today for discerning believers who understand the biblical call for wise and loving discrimination. I am calling upon you this morning before God at worship. I'm calling upon you to exercise yourself in loving discernment and loving discrimination. Now, the word discrimination is almost always used in this contemporary world and in contemporary speech as a most negative thing. If somebody were to see you at the grocery store and say, "Are you discriminating?" Uh, you'd be quick to say, "Oh no, 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 no! I am not. I do not discriminate. I do not discriminate." Uh, if you somebody saw it at the grocery store and they said, are you discriminating? You ought to say with an open Bible, yes, 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 I am very, very discriminating. Oh, shame on you. No, Christ said, glory to you and glory to God. Discriminating people are most often spoken of as prejudice, hateful, and ignorant. That's the way that people talk of me these days. That's the way that people talk of some of you these days. However, the word discrimination speaks positively of the ability to draw a righteous line between true and false, between right and wrong, between good and evil. The spirit of the age promotes the blurring of all such lines, But believers know that God drew the lines and faithfully communicated those lines of distinction. We must never fear to discriminate between right and wrong as God has revealed it. Verse 6 underscores the necessity of wise and loving discernment. Jesus had cooked meat coming off the altar of sacrifice in the temple. In his mind, when he spoke of throwing that which was holy to the dogs, wild dogs. By the way, Jesus said right-minded Jewish worshipers would never rightly feed the meat that has been offered before God on the altar of sacrifice to wild dogs that roamed the countryside and the city streets back in that day. A portion of the meat of sacrifice fed the priest and his family. Another part of the portion of sacrifice uh, fed the worshiper and his family. And a part of the meat on the altar of sacrifice was completely burned up, as was acceptable to God producing that sweet-smelling savor in a physical sense that then metaphorically is used to speak of God's satisfaction in the heart of bloody sacrifice. None of that dedicated meat, under the law of God, would be rightly cast out before wild dogs. Jesus also spoke of pearls inappropriately cast between or before feral swine or wild hogs that would not appreciate the value and the beauty of the pearls, but trample them into the mud and then turn to attack you. And indeed, that's exactly what wild hogs do. Wild hogs are dangerous critters. I have trophy teeth that I have in a cup in my office uh, from a 300-pound wild hog that I shot while hunting with my son, and uh, and uh, that uh, wild hog took three rounds uh, of uh, uh, from my A5, my Browning A5. it, It took three rounds right smack dab in, uh, in the front chest and never dropped and never moved. My son uh, went closer to the hog after it stood there and when it started to turn towards him, uh, he unloaded his 9 millimeter in the skull of that hog and it still stood there, <laughs> breathing heavy. And man was I glad when it fell over. (laughs) And we both walked out into the shallow pond where the hog was at and pulled him out and uh, could not believe the aspect of the teeth coming out the side of that feral hog's mouth that we had taken and hunting. I'm just telling you that wild hogs are very dangerous. Surely, they don't care too much about women's jewelry. They don't care too much about pearls. And if you bother them and you don't have the A5 or the 9mm handy, I'm telling you, they will turn and tear you up. One of the most interesting people I've ever met was a dog handler. All the dogs trained and bred for hunting hogs. And that hog uh, uh, dog man... Uh, He has, uh, uh, on a yearly basis, about 40 hog dogs to hunt. And uh, he starts every season with 40. And he ends every season with about 25. On average, the hog dog guy loses 15 hounds to the pigs every year. Those wild pigs are ferocious creatures. And Jesus spoke of wild dogs and wild hogs. Jesus was not speaking about pet dogs, nor was He speaking about domesticated pigs. He was speaking about wild dogs and wild hogs. So what would be the point of that? Well, the point is, And it has to do with righteous discernment and godly discrimination that is operating in the life of kingdom citizens and followers of the king. Now, let me just expand our thinking momentarily this morning to realize that the Bible uses a number of animals as people representatives, and illustrations. For instance, who are the sheep? God's people. Who are the goats? Not God's people. Who are the dogs and the hogs? Who are the wolves? Who is the snake? You see what I'm saying? There's this body of biblical illustrative material that draws upon the created world of animals to help us understand the kind of discrimination and discernment that is to be operating within kingdom citizens so that they are able, as it were, well-armed, to be able to, uh, 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 to defend and to protect the aspect of themselves against the errors that are all around us. You can reference God's people as sheep. You can reference unsaved people as goats, and I'm going to add to that dogs and hogs. And you can reference false teachers as wolves. The natural man, the unsaved person, does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. So says Paul in 1 Corinthians 2.14, representing the truth of God to others, especially to unsaved people and false teachers, requires great and godly discernment. Very few of God's people have the maturity and discrimination in righteousness to go mano a mano with a false teacher. And therefore, the Bible's admonition concerning the way that you should respond to a false teacher is Avoid them, get away from them, withdraw from them, don't listen to them. In other words, like Joseph being tempted of Potiphar's wife, the answer is run away. Run away from the false teacher. Run away from the false teacher because very few of God's people have the maturity and the discrimination in righteousness to go head-to-head with a false teacher. But in this passage, Jesus is talking about wild dogs and hogs, which represent people who are openly antagonistic to the truth of God and perverse in their rejection of God and truth. People that are openly antagonistic to the gospel and uh, openly perverse in their rejection of God and truth. Those people ought to be prayed for. And even when you witness to them, you ought to be careful when you witness because they are those that trample truth underfoot and will use the things that are said against God's people. Have you ever thought how many of the words spoken from this pulpit are out there in the world? We have this goofy thing called sermon audio. I like it. I hate it. I like it. I hate it. I like it because on days like today, where Sherry's serving the nursery, she'll be able on Tuesday be able to hear what I had to say this morning and in the next hour at 11. I like that. I like it when people can stay current. I hate it because the fact is that some people would just as soon stay home and yet then they feel like they're current when they're not current at all. Because let me just say for those of you at home listening to this, uh, you weren't here, you weren't here, you weren't here. And as I look over here in this section about halfway through, I think to myself, what happened down there? What happened down there? Did Bonnie forget her pit paste or what? I mean, I just asking, what happened down there? I don't know what happened over there, but nonetheless, something happened over there. I'm just telling you that if you're making the choice to stay at home and listen online, you're not engaged as God would have you be engaged and some of you can't help it and for those of you I understand and I pray but some of you can help it and if you can you should you should you should but there are people that would trample the truth of Christ underfoot and would attack God's people with the truths that are said I'm just saying it wouldn't even take a, a very limited technologist like me to edit things that I've said, and package something that would put me in jail. And maybe that's how I end up in retirement. They feed you, you know. They serve you meals. They feed you. There's bars, but other than that, it sounds pretty good to me. But nonetheless, we must say boldly that Jesus commended wise judgment by the word of God as faithfully revealed. We are to edify sheep with our words and with our lives. We are to testify to goats with the word of God and with our own lives. We are to avoid the dogs and the hogs and the wolves. That takes discernment. That takes discrimination, even as the Scripture speaks of it. I remind you that King Jesus otherwise taught that he was himself the eternal judge of the ages. Jesus said in John five twenty two, The Father judges no man, but hath committed all judgment unto the Son. We often speak of Jesus in the terms of prophet and priest and king, as well we should. But he is likewise God the judge. And so when we read here of the Messiah's manifesto, we are reading here of God the judge who says, Give not that which is holy unto the dogs. Neither cast ye your pearls before swine, lest they trample them under feet and turn again and rip you up, rend you. We must be compelled to listen to His verdict and depend upon His mercies regarding our own case before the court of heaven. We ought to be interested in bringing to the Lord Jesus the praise that He is due among the saints, the testimony that He is due among the goats, and then be discerning and discriminate, so as to respond to the perverse and those that are truly adversarial in the way in which our Lord has instructed us. You and I are not to be a gullible mess. We are to be a glorifying mass of people that honor Christ by lip, And by our lives, oh, for a thousand tongues to sing. Oh, for a thousand lives to faithfully represent the glories of Christ, our King. Father, thank you this morning for the listening ear. And help us to be a responsive people from the heart for your glory. We pray in Jesus' name and for his blessed sake, amen.